Arms out like wings. Arriving. My memory of arriving at my new school is of feeling slightly sick. Panic in the pit of my stomach, excitement and confusion. The atmosphere in the car was of forced joviality between Gerald and Dad. Mum couldn't stop crying. Gaynor and I played our favourite game of rag doll, where I made myself limp and she would place me into any position she liked. As always, the car was full of smoke. Mum and Dad pretty much chain-smoked the whole way there, Mum sucking nervously on her cigarette between sobs. We drove down the drive with rhododendrons in full bloom on either side. A soft autumn afternoon. Girls of all ages wandering around the impossibly posh grounds, smiling at us as we passed them. We weren't sure why they were so smiley and curious about us. I would soon learn that any unknown visitors at the school were an exciting prospect and a welcome distraction from the strict daily routine. We had been told in a letter to drive past the big main house to a building behind it, which was Junior Dorm. We would be greeted there by Nursey. And there she was, standing straighter than I had ever seen anyone stand before. Slim in her perfectly fitted pale blue overall shirt dress, buttoned to the very top. Perfect black short and neat hair, styled in a 50s bouffant manner. A smile on her pale squeaky clean face. Serious but kind. Almost Mary Poppins. She was polite to my parents, but there was no doubt that she wanted them to leave swiftly. My dad wanted to chat, but he wasn't going to be able to win her over. She seemed impervious to his charms, unlike most women. Parents around this early in the term spelt disorder and threatened to cause a fresh bout of homesickness to her young charges, so she wanted to usher my family off the school grounds as soon as she could and settle me in. My little sister clung to my waist, looking up at me nervously. My brother pushed a ten-shilling note into my hand, the first paper money I had ever had. Everything seemed to be rushed. Nursie took my ten-shilling note and put it into my purse, which Dad had reluctantly given to her. A black plastic purse with a silver clasp, bursting with coins. A strong clasp. Always difficult to open. Five pounds in total in coins, plus my ten shilling note. A fortune, which would be given in three shilling lots each Saturday. Juniors can spend their pocket money in town or in the tuck shop, Nursie told us. My family and I were all a little nervous of her taking my purse. We didn't really know her after all. Nursie summoned two juniors to take me to tea. One of them was her daughter, who was almost a carbon copy of her. I found this a little confusing. How could this girl have her mummy there? Her name was Jane. She took my hand so confidently. I had only this moment met her. And we were holding hands already. I looked at my mum questioningly. And she gave me a watery but reassuring smile to let me know it was all right to go with these two little girls who were bouncing away from my family with me in tow. Jane's hand slipped away from mine as I gravitated towards my mum, but I followed first slowly and then mimicking the skips and jumps of the two little girls. 
I know I did this to reassure my family that I was all right, even though I felt sick, set adrift, bobbing around at sea in these strange surroundings. As the big house, or main house as they called it, loomed up in front of me, the two girls disappeared down some steep stone steps like something out of Alice in Wonderland. As I followed them, the darkness down there rendered me almost blind and I could feel my heart racing with fear. They ran ahead giggling and suddenly one of them slammed their hand against a knob and the basement was full of light. A timer switch. This was new to me, but then everything was new to me. A long, narrow, whitewashed brick corridor stretched before me. The bricks in an arch like a tunnel above me. A vague, damp smell mixed with leather. The walls were lined with cubby holes, each with one or two pairs of shoes in them. Through doors I could hear girls laughing, pianos tinkling and a boiler firing up. My new companions kicked off their brown leather shoes without undoing their laces and replaced them with cherry red shoes with little buttons on the side, also without undoing them. They wiggled their hips and their feet zigzagged whilst being forced into the cherry red shoes. We have to wear our char shoes in the main house, one of them said. You're lucky you don't have to yet, said the other. You'll be fitted for them tomorrow, but they could take weeks to come, squealed the first one. You're so lucky! Gosh, you're lucky, said the other one. What on earth are they on about? And what weird voices they have. Up a small flight of stairs now, dimly lit. But my new friends were going so fast that they seemed to be going up them on all fours, using their hands and feet to reach the top faster. Through a warren of corridors and into a cavernous room that was the main hall. Wow! I had never seen such a big room. Gemma, the other girl, threw open the doors of what looked like a huge wardrobe. And inside were shelves filled with pots of Marmite and Nescafe, some tiny and some huge. She grabbed a pot of Marmite with one hand and my hand with the other and skipped off to the kitchen where we helped ourselves to as many slices of soft white bread as we wanted. She seemed to want about ten slices. My stomach felt too tight for me even to contemplate eating. We wove our way through long tables with benches on either side. I couldn't make out what anybody was saying, as they all seemed to be speaking at once. I kept wondering if my mum and dad had left yet. I was suddenly jolted into the present when an enormous gong was banged and reverberated throughout the hall. A hush eventually covered the room, and a girl of about twelve stood up and chimed in a very fast sing-song voice. For what we have just received, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Amen, yelled everybody, and stampeded towards the door. I was swept along in the crowd, but Gemma kept close to me. Others joined us, firing questions at me. Why are you in home clothes? Why are you late for term? Why is your hair so long? Why do you speak like that? Why do you smell of smoke? What's your name? What great ballet are you in? How old are you? All these questions, as we were dashing out of the main house, back through the basement corridors. Shoes changed on the move up the basement steps and out into the fresh evening air. I don't think I managed to answer any of their questions. Now we were running across the way, the term for the space between the main house and junior dorm, back to where I had left my family, but they were nowhere to be seen, as if they had evaporated into thin air. My eyes filled with tears, my stomach lurched. Come on, Glenda, said Gemma, 
We're going to gallop in Studio One. Studio One was underneath Junior Dorm, the studio that Miss Marsh taught in and that I had taken my audition for the school in a couple of weeks earlier. As it was Sunday, there were no classes, so the juniors would all play in the studio before bed. I had arrived in my home clothes. Only students aged 16 and over wore home clothes. My parents couldn't imagine why we would wear uniform at the weekend, so they sent me in a dress my mum had made especially for my arrival at the school. It was a lovely dress. Very simple and very modern. It was a blue wool mini dress, and being the 60s, it was very mini. Only just covering my bottom. It had cream sleeves and buttons down the front. I had black patent shoes. I felt gorgeous. Right up until the game became clear to me. The game was galloping at top speed around the studio, led by Anna Delaunay, with her beautiful long mane of golden hair. Anna Delaunay was an expert galloper. She executed a perfect galloping motion by bending over, both hands on the floor and knees bent slightly both hands and feet galloping in perfect synchronicity. All the girls seemed to be able to do it beautifully, but Anna Delaunay was clearly the most pony-like when it came to galloping. Regulation skirts, which skimmed the knees, and big grey flannel knickers, made galloping easy. But my knicker-skimming mini-skirt over frilly knickers made me feel agonisingly self-conscious. Ballet dancers are totally body-confident, and very young ones even more so. But I was so embarrassed and kept impeding my galloping by yanking my skirt down every few seconds. If my galloping was anything to go by, the other juniors must have been sure that I was going to be a terrible dancer. They were all far more interested in my performance as a pony than my outfit. No one cared or took any notice of my knickers. Shrieks of joy and pony impersonations filled the air, I tried to join in as best I could. They were all getting pink, sweaty faces with the constant motion. I retreated to the bar at the side of the studio and pretended to pull my socks up and adjust my shoes. I was mightily relieved when Nursie appeared at the door and told us all to come up and get ready for bed. But this was only the beginning of my discomfort on that first day. It was swiftly followed by the revelation of the contents of my trunk.